Hello and welcome once again to the Spotlight on Sports, where we discuss sport and social issues. This week, with the AFL and NRL finals in full swing, we discuss the proliferation of sports betting. I'm your host, as always, Chris Hins, and in the studio with me are Andrew Parloxy and Jeff Dickinson-Fox. It sure has been a quick week and there have been some upsets as well with uh, the dogs keeping their miracle run going. So earlier in the year, no one really would have given them a chance with uh, poor old Bob Murphy going out, but uh, they've made it further than anyone could ever have dreamed as a Bulldogs fan, I guess. Yeah, they've they've done extremely well. Um, I didn't really... Well, I mean, I did tip them last week, but not the first week of the finals. But, yeah, I, f- I thought the injuries would, would um, threaten to stop them getting nearly as far as they looked like they would earlier in the season. Yeah, that, that was a big tick on your list, Andrew, that, that tip from from the end of the show last week to say the Bulldogs might get over the get over the Hawks. Yeah, I was, I was pleased with that one. Yeah, it deserves <laughs> respect. A really good tip. And then when, when I give a good tip, like I go back to the old... Uh, Papua New Guinea tip that I had, or I talk about GWS. I we're going to be talking about that Papua New Guinea thing every week, aren't we, Jeff? I don't think that deserves respect if you're trying See, to bring it up six, uh, four, three months later. <laughs> He's dining out on old glories we've again. Given, we've given it the appropriate attention. We, but we he gave wants you a more. lot of adulation at the time, I think, didn't we? Yeah, he wants more than what the, the, the uh, attention we gave it. <laughs> Why not? Uh, we've also had... The Sydney Swans win, so they're through. Um, I mean, my comment last week was that I thought they did look a bit a bit fragile, but they certainly proved my hunch to be wrong, I guess. They were con- more than convincing enough to get the job done. And the other one as well, comfortable win, was the Canberra Raiders, Jeff. Canberra Raiders, uh, comfortable? Probably not so. It was similar to their... Week one of the finals effort to, where Cronulla were able to run them down, but this time they're able to hold off a, a lesser side if you're talking about ladder positions in the Panthers. Uh, it sets up an intriguing matchup for against the Storm this Saturday. Well, speaking of the rest, the Storm and your other team, Jeff, uh, you weren't, weren't so happy with the Broncos, but it was another thriller, wasn't it? These two teams, Cowboys and the Broncos, turning up big thrillers. Yeah, if you, if you were asking me how the game was in into the last 10 minutes of the game and into the 10 minutes of full-time, I would have told you it was a thriller. Uh, but now, after full-time, I think it was just a waste of time. <laughs> thriller. <laughs> I'm not thrilled by the result. They certainly played a lot better. They deserve credit, the Cowboys. They uh, they give, gave everything in that game and their best, and Jonathan Thurston. What's the difference between the two sides? So, superstar well, deciding the result, which is good for the NRL. Not to get into our previews before we've done our previews too much, but I just think they're probably going to be exhausted, the Cowboys, with the amount of effort they put in with the Broncos. It'll be a major factor. Uh, there was uh, Matthew Johns of Triple M uh, and, and a few others. The experts pointed out the Cowboys looked tired in the warm-up, and it certainly showed <laughs> in the first half. It's 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 a serious and... and and legitimate uh, query because, yeah, Thurston also entered the game with uh, uh, rather ill. He wasn't 100%, and that's to produce a, a performance. He was he was noticeably tired throughout the moments of the first half and in the warm-up, and to still come up with the winning uh, 10 out of 10 only skillful 
play like a superstar and Jonathan Thurston can pull off uh, in extra time, not healthy, uh, shows his class. So what do you think sparked them up then if they were so flat in the first half? Sparked them up was one player key, Jason Tomololo, and I pointed that out in the preview of the game. Uh, the Cowboys' previous game, which they played and lost to Melbourne, he ran a total of 86 metres, and he averages about 180. So that's way down, and that didn't give Thurston much time to create and to score points in the game. This game against the Broncos, he ran about 285 metres. So that's that's about top five for any player to have run metres in the game in the entire season. So that's massive turnaround, really dented the Broncos and gave Thurston all that time and all that space on the field to create the winning plays. So am I right in guessing that you you were sitting there saying, why us, <laughs> Jeff? Well, I I did get uh, very bitter at the end of the game, and I did make sure I wrote all those thoughts down on paper, so I've got them right here if I want to delve into the sorrows that it was post-full time. But uh, well, a week later, it's it's a little hurts a little less, but uh, certainly, certainly still, still feeling it, yeah. yeah. Well, just one thing I wanted to mention to you, Andrew, uh, in one of our previous shows, I've mentioned that I was a big fan of Michael Morgan and he had a fantastic game over the weekend against the Broncos. So I, I was happy to see, you know, the hallmarks of his game that makes him one of the promising young talents, his speed and his run and just the fact that he was able to evade some of the better defence of the Broncos. Sorry, Chris, if, you, if, you, if you're not careful there with all this praise of people playing against the Broncos, then Jeff might demonstrate that Melbourne Storm technique, the tackling it's, technique we're going to get onto later in the program. He's a, Queen, you. He's a Queenslander, so Jeff can't get too angry with me for mentioning fellow Queenslander. Look, I didn't think uh, he was, you know, Thurston was out of the two halves, Morgan and Thurston. Thurston was definitely... The better of the two, and which then, is going to be nine times out of ten, probably. Yeah, and with you're right there. Break. And yeah. then considering, I think his opposite uh, player, the Morgan's opposite player, Milford. I think Anthony Milford had a better game than Michael Morgan. You know, Thurston decided it. So, yeah, Morgan didn't have that much effect on the attack. I think. Uh, I think it was more defence. Him not getting exposed in defence and, and keeping the Broncos yep. at bay was probably his most important contribution to the match. So now on to. Something Andrew's just alluded to. There's been a bit of controversy surrounding the Storm this week, the Melbourne Storm, with their tackling technique, which has been compared to wrestling-style tackling, and whether that's appropriate or not at this level of rugby league. And the Storm have brought in a wrestling expert, uh, the... NRL have brought in a wrestling expert to arbitrate on this or help them arbitrate on this. Yeah, well, uh, it's a feud between Paul Green and Craig Bellamy, the two coaches right up front. Uh, We had uh, Ethan Lowe of the Cowboys out for the season due to a spinal injury from a tackle which uh, the Cowboys thought uh, hadn't involved uh, wrestling tactics, which aren't illegal. They're just not done in in the positive they're not done for the good of the game. So if you were saying it in a, in a cricketing way, the phrase would be, it's not in the spirit of the game to do a wrestling-style exactly. tackle. Exactly, that's what it is. And and then going into the game, you know, Cowboys coach Paul Green knew that well, we've known Melbourne have played with some sort of tactics for years. So uh, in a press conference before the, the game, uh, Paul Green said, and I quote, probably my biggest worry is how the refs interpret the ruck. 
uh, Mel- there, Melbourne. Uh, very good at controlling rucks. So as long as it's consistent on both sides, it's probably my biggest worry. Whether or not they get away with it is up to the refs. As I said, I just hope the refs are consistent with both ways with their interpretation of the ruck. So uh, Craig Bellamy heard that uh, only hours after that was said by Coach, Coach Paul Green. And we've got the audio of Craig Bellamy responding to those comments. Paul obviously come in to the press conference this morning and uh, made a statement. I don't think he answered a question. It was a very, very preconceived uh, message from him, which is all very predictable at, at this time of year. All very predictable. So, um, you know, we played them five, six weeks ago. We didn't have a problem with the, the ruck then. He didn't mention it. Um, we haven't changed anything in five, six weeks. We haven't changed anything in 24 weeks, to be quite honest. So, um, you know, he's just trying to get an advantage there in the referees. And, um, you know, the referees will referee how they see it. And, um, you know, again, you know, like I didn't think we were, you know, coaches and players were not supposed to criticise referees in press conferences. And uh, that sounds like criticism to me. And that was, that was all before the game. So we played the game. Ethan Lowe got injured. And then it obviously kept this this news and this in this feud right in the forefront of rugby league. And uh, up to a week later, so this was actually just uh, an article from Triple M NRL on Tuesday. This Tuesday uh, reported the Storm say there's bad blood between the two clubs over recruitment and pre-match comments by Green about Melbourne's defensive tactics, which led to the Storm themselves lodging a complaint. So both teams lodging complaints about each other. Melbourne contacted the Cowboys medical staff over the weekend following the allegations and were told there was nothing illegal in the tackle, which Lowe himself supported. NRL head of football Brian Canavan told the Storm on Monday there would be no further action on the matter. So is that an appropriate course of action? Is it? Are we okay just to leave this and, and forget about it or should something be done about the Melbourne's tackling tactics? Well, it's pretty hard for me to say because I, I, I guess I, I haven't seen enough of the other tackles to compare it to. I mean, I did have a look at it today and I, I thought it definitely did appear that he was grabbed around the neck low and um, that there was a bit of force applied. So I could imagine it wouldn't really be great for your neck. Although, as you said, he seems to have suggested that there wasn't anything untoward in the tackle himself. Um, but I, I, what, I'm interested in what you think as someone who sees more of the rugby games. Well, it's it's wrestling is done by all teams now. Melbourne introduced it to the game ooh, five years ago, and yeah, so Melbourne. To be clear, it was Melbourne who did start this this trend. Yeah. So when when you talk about wrestling, though, are you just talking about actually grabbing someone around the neck, or are there a whole series of moves that they classify as as wrestling, or well, what what does it cover? Well, that's the grey area. We we don't actually. There's wrestling coaches, and. I can't say this for certain, it, but uh, you know they they can have you know MMA backgrounds like martial arts sort of backgrounds. Uh, yeah, the whole th- the whole thing is to try and keep the opponent from getting up and playing the ball as long as possible without conceding a penalty. So, and then there's, that's the rules of the game in terms of tackling people. It's not specific as yet with uh, with what's allowed in the tackle and what's not. So. Uh, that's what we'll need to improve if we are to see a change. So there might be, need to be a bit of a few rule changes over the off season, perhaps. And if there's more injuries from players and from similar incidents, then something that might spark a rule change. It might be something that is, as you say, looked at 
if the trend continues and there are more dangerous tackles where players do get injured. But uh, moving on from the Storm controversy, we've got still got a big week of sport ahead. And we've got the uh, the Raiders and the Panthers from last week. Uh, just to quickly go over before we move on to the the preview, don't want to don't want to leave out it. I thought we just briefly mentioned it. Oh, it wasn't as comfortable as they wanted it to be. And oh yeah, well Canberra they um, they had two stars return from significant injuries, and they went on to be one of their best in the in the sensational win. Um, Panthers played great, but just ran out of energy from defending the Canberra too long in the first half. That's that's how it went. Just want to make sure. If there's anyone out there who thinks we forgot about the game, no, we haven't, and and that's how it went. I was a little disappointed that my scientific tipping method of choosing the Panthers because I preferred the name didn't really. <laughs> and then you went with well. me on the Broncos, so it was an zero for two weekend, just, <laughs> yeah. like, just like my tips yeah. in the AFL. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, well, it, well, actually, no, I got one out of two, but sorry. Well, At least I got those doggies in the AFL. Yeah. Well, speaking of AFL, Jeff, and some of the things you said last week and the week before. You said you would be happy to join me on the GWS bandwagon and become the sixth and seventh fan of the GWS in their history, respectively. Are you still happy to uh, join me there? Or yep, yep, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, that's that's hinting a a tip. Uh, that's hinting a tip there for this week. But I'm happy to to support them. Oh, seeing as we're doing betting as a main topic this week, I might be bit more specific and say I'd be backing GWS to win by 1 to 40. That's, I think they'd be priced at about $2 or so for that, so be a decent bet there for GWS. Um, against the good old rivals that they've got now, and they're in the preliminary finals, which is Further than you probably expect them to go, but they should be able to get the job done against the dogs. I'd say I'm going to stick with the dogs after last week. Keep to keep keep them backing them to do their miracle run and keep that going. I'm interested to know people's views on whether. Uh, well, I'll start with you there, Chris Lin Lin Jong. Uh, it's been mentioned that he might actually be back in the side this week after fracturing a collarbone in the the first week of the finals. Would you give him any chance? Look. I saw the injury and I saw the game against West Coast and I personally, having seen it, wouldn't risk it probably. It it, it reminds me a little bit actually of, of the uh, fitness test that I heard Lee Matthews uh, gave Alan Richardson, the Nelson Kilda coach, when he was at Collingwood. and he, he said he was right to go in the 1990 grand final and apparently Lee just came up to him at training and rammed into him and whatever injury he had before, <laughs> reoccurred fairly quickly. <laughs> I, I just wondered if he might end up getting a similar sort of fitness test, if not from his own coaching staff, from the um, from the opposition fairly quickly. It seems a big risk for a final. Yeah, that won't think, work Jeff. for them if that happens. It's it's a risk, isn't it? If if he is able to play, how well can he play? Is it is it, If he plays, is that a hindrance on your team? Like we saw... And to you know, to compare it to the NRL, uh, just in the last week, you know, Josh Hodgson was one of the Canberra Raiders' best players all year, uh, and he had a, a significant ankle injury in week one of the finals, but returned one week later on an injury that you normally sit out three weeks for, and he was fantastic. But that's not the same case for every player. So here, and in this case, a fractured case. collarbone. It's not the same case for every code either. It may be different in some ways playing 
80 minutes of rugby league to playing four quarters of AFL. Yeah, everything's different. And as you say, the players are different as well. That that would be my view. Is it worth carrying an injured player because he might be good? Is it is it more likely that someone who can fill his spot is likely to be better just because they've got an able body? You know, so that's so considering that, I'd I'd lean towards a replacement. I yeah. think we all tend to agree that it wouldn't be the wisest move for the Bulldogs to be playing Ming Don. No, I think I think it'd be a very big risk, and if he's really trying to convince them that he's he's right to go. Maybe they'll give him a start in the VFL, but I just don't think it's but worth it for the AFL. What about the question? You are correct, and the Bulldogs do go through to next week. Do they risk playing him in a final, say, against perhaps Sydney or, or Geelong? Maybe that would depend on whether he got through okay in the in the VFL grand final this coming weekend. Yeah, well, even then... Even though VFL is now technically a grade down from the AFL, even playing in the VFL Grand Final is a tough way to do your litmus test. Yeah, yeah. So well, you're certainly still likely to get a, a nasty bump. I don't know. They, they might might risk playing him at the MCG, but that's if they get there. And Gary Rowan is another surprise for Sydney. Apparently, um, he's expected to play against the Cats and was only really a few days ago we saw him coming off on that little medicart looking rather disconsolate. Looked like he'd suffered a um a serious probably knee problem. But it's um apparently just bone bruising they're saying now. Well I I would say if it's just bruising, why not? I mean the player is not gonna rule himself out in these situations. As you said with the fractured collarbone, I'm pretty sure that player's gonna be putting his hand up and, and wanting to play no matter what, because it's 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 a game that as a as an AFL player you want to be playing in a qualifying final. Uh, so you know if the bone bruising, I'm sure he'll be able to play through it. But uh, yeah, I think the more important thing is does the coach want him playing through it, and is it the best for the team? Yeah, that's it. Can he move like he normally would? Yeah. You know, apparently he moved okay at training, but I mean we know that training's a lot different to being training's out there in the heat of same. battle in a preliminary yeah, final. Is. That is going to be a. Very, very tough game, and you've got two fairly high-scoring teams there, so it is a tough one, and, and I guess the one thing maybe going in Sydney's favour is this is at the MCG. This is not in Geelong, so even though it is a Victorian game... Oh, you're confusing me for a moment. There. I was thinking, why is it in Sydney's favour that they're playing at the MCG? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't Geelong well, play there a lot more than Sydney? Yeah, but they would Not rather play. Park. They would rather play there than at Simmons Stadium, though. And should we be playing uh, at Geelong's home ground if we're going to play the uh, the Bulldogs game at Greater Western Sydney's little tiny twenty four thousand capacity <laughs> stadium? Well, you reckon, this supports if you remember back all the way to episode one where we talked about uh, Geelong hosting a T twenty international. Oh yes, <laughs> isn't this proof that Geelong doesn't deserve big matches, <laughs> well, and that they should be at the no, MCG? No, well, it, they actually, the thing about Sydney is that they, um, why they're playing at the GWS Spotless Stadium, that's a, to do with the contract the AFL has with some sort of loophole with them that Spotless gets preference in a preliminary final GWS game. Is that this is the first time. Geelong and Sydney have played at the MCG since 1934. 
Is it really? Yeah, it is. So, sorry, what were you saying there about the Air Force contracts, Andrew? They seem to um, do, do what they can to give GWS a little bit of a helping hand <laughs> at times. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean they do get a they do get a pretty good deal. Like even if they win the the final this year, they've still got pretty pretty good preferences for the draft, which I guess in some ways I, it's fair enough if you're trying to build a club, but it may be a bit of an unfair disadvantage along with this whole thing with they get stadium preference. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. Back in, in regards, I mean, you've got to do what you can to build your small <laughs> clubs, but there is a line where you can go too far, I guess. Yeah, in regard to what you were saying, though, Jeff, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I I'm kind of, I guess, I can see what you mean, but then if if they're going to give the AFL is going to give this game to Greater Western Sydney in their little stadium, then I mean, one could argue Cadinia Park actually holds. More than that, so <laughs> well, that's, a little bit more, I think. Anyway, that's the thing. <laughs> uh, the AFL's helped out Grey Western Sydney, you know, one of the smaller clubs, helping them to com- to compete uh, in the AFL. You know, where's where's the support for the Brisbane Lions? I mean, they're not a recently yeah. established franchise, but if you're talking about providing all clubs the opportunity to compete at an equal level in the AFL, hasn't hasn't Greater Western Sydney received a lot of support and Brisbane Lions not, not so well, close to that? Depends how far back you go. I mean, if you go back to, I guess, the 1990s, so, <laughs> or, oh, sorry, the early the early 2000s even, I, I should say, when... when um, Getting your decades mixed up now. It's yeah, so long ago. It's, I, it's all I just becoming you. a blur, but... Exactly. Back when, when um, Brisbane won three premierships in a row, you wouldn't have said that they were being... Too harshly treated. In fact, I think Eddie Maguire it's had a fair 30, bit to, to say about the assistance that Brisbane got in those days. It's been 13 years since. Uh, did, did the Brisbane Lions deserve zero support in the last 13 years? <laughs> well, it probably depends whether you're asking. It's a long a Brisbane, time between drinks. A Brisbane person or a Melbourne person. It happens that you're asking a Melbourne person. So <laughs> I might say yes. So, so should the Greater Western Sydney now go on a 13-year drought of help from the AFL? Is that what we should do? Is that the <laughs> once model? The, once they've had their think, lovely draft picks in their Simmons Stadium preliminary final, just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I suppose ideally we want it to be a. A competitive competition where, where you know, as many teams as possible as possible have got a go a chance in one year. Sometimes it seems like there's a, there's a few too many uncompetitive teams now, and maybe that's partly to do with the fact that I think realistically, there's probably too many teams in the competition, and the players are stretched out over over too many sides. It's a massive topic, isn't it? There's just details and details in this one. Unfortunately, yeah. one we don't have a lot of time for at the moment. So. We'll do we'll do one special show on the Brisbane Lions just for you, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll revisit this uh, Sydney Geelong game, and I'm thinking, yeah, as I said, it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be close. It's going to be a fairly fairly tight affair. But I say, on balance of the year as a whole. I'd be leaning towards Sydney. Again, it's close, so I go for the one to forty again. Speaking in betting terms, yeah, I, I'm wondering when we get to this uh, detailed segment later in the show on betting, <laughs> whether we need to address Chris's betting situation here because yeah. he seems to be very au fait with all the odds, doesn't Is he? Is there an intersect segment of Chris's tips for, for <laughs> betting? Uh, Chris's betting tips for the weekend? Yes, yeah, so yeah, I'm got, wondering that. You'll have to divide it up by sport, won't you? We will. We've got it makes no frankincense, and we may have. Chris's tips as our two as our two regular segments that we're starting to form. 
So what about you, Jeff? Do you think uh, you said off air that Sydney were a bit of a surprising price at two dollars thirty? Yeah, but I'm not sure why I'm still allowed to give AFL predictions on this show. I mean, I've got so <laughs> many wrong in the finals. But uh, look, I I do was surprised by Sydney being such outsiders. That you know they've got the experience. They've got a good win last week. Uh, you know, look, they're looking like a formidable side. I will say, though, I think the grand final winner is coming out of whoever wins Geelong and the Swans. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that Geelong's going to win that one this week because I think um, they'll have a big advantage with the, with fitness after having the, the week off while Sydney had to had to put the extra work in to win that game against Adelaide and, and had some injury problems as well. So I think that'll that'll get the the cats through. And yeah. Then, um, yeah, I mean, I guess... You can't argue that they're going to have quite an advantage in the grand final if, if they get in there in terms of experience over either of the other two sides that might get in. Yeah, that's um, a very but, good point, Andrew. I mean, because like Geelong, yes, they did look like they'd spent every little bit of their energy against Hawthorne just with that narrow missed kick from Liam Smith. But I mean, that was it's only a couple of weeks ago. It seems like an eternity now, but... Yeah, they've had that week to rest. They've recuperated. And even though that probably took more out of them than it took out of Sydney to beat Adelaide last week, you'd probably say that they'd be well-rested going into tomorrow. So that's a fair point. I'm st- I'll am stick with my Sydney prediction. But, yeah, I think um, it may just be a matter of how well Sydney can adapt to the quick turnaround. But I mean, what's what's everyone in Victoria going to do if the two Sydney teams end up playing each other in the grand final? Oh, we just give the well, grand final a miss. Be maybe fifty thousand Sydney Swans fans, and Jeff and I as part of the other six GWS fans for like. But weren't you I'll saying last go. week, Jeff, that it was it was um it was too late to get on the GWS bandwagon now? When yeah, we sense that Chris might have been trying to do that. Yep. But now you're on the bandwagon. Yep. No, you said that at the start of the show that it was too late for me to get on the bandwagon and then join me on the bandwagon. So he's already been on the bandwagon with me for a week. He's right off the... No, I've done the wrong thing. I know that. But (laughs) if there's any any MCC members that don't want to give up their tickets to this all-Sydney grand final, I might go. (laughs) Well, if it is GWS, I don't think we would have too many issues getting in. So you're right off the lines now and onto the... onto Why would I stick with the lines during this final series? Yeah, well... Why can't I have a bit of fun? So you'll do, you'll just wait till the um the AFL comes in and plays the wild night and brings until... some assistance to the lines and then when they're up the top again we'll be talking about them. I'll just wait. <laughs> I'll just wait until twenty twenty when they might be good again. <laughs> twenty twenty, we know a yeah. couple of things about that word today, but uh, now on to our main topic, which is the huge explosion. Oh, in... what about uh, NRL preview? That's completely slipped my mind, Jeff. Thank you very much for reminding me. <laughs> So, of course, we've got... Betting can wait. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we've got some big games coming up as well in the NRL, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, Storm have pretty big game coming up against the Raiders. Not uh, Andrew's favourite, because they don't have for that call of a name, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure as a Victorian and as the opposition don't have a call cool name, you'll be backing the Storm... Well and truly, Andrew. 
Yeah, I'm not sure of the science of it all there, Chris, but yeah, I'm I'm going to say the storm at home. I mean, sure. it hasn't worked for you betting wise, but it may work for you choosing a team to support. There's an yeah. Irish comedian, can't remember exactly what his name was, but he said when he looks at AFL, he comes to Australia, he just picks the team with the mascot that would win in real life. So I think he said the Bombers would beat the Tigers because they're carpet bomb the Tigers' habitat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting way to pick your teams. And he said, I can't pick between the Dockers and the Blues because... The people from the war for tough, but depression will beat anybody. What about the Saints and the Demons? Who's going to win that one <laughs> on that method of picking? I don't know. Probably you go with the good side of you rather than the Demons. So he probably oh. please you by choosing the Saints there, Andrew, I guess. Sounds good. But uh, yeah, Storm, um, obviously red hot favourites for this. So I'll go with them and back them to keep the strong defensive game at its best at home. Yeah, and we, we actually have a new sponsor. I, I forgot to tell you guys before we started the show. We've got our first sponsor. We're five episodes in. We've got our first sponsor. And they've actually given us some, some gear to, to hand out. So, I'll just... Uh, here you go, Andrew. There's, uh, there's a nice scarf there from our, our sponsor. And there's one for you, Chris. Ooh, missed that catch. And, oh, and, what, and what is our sponsor, guys? Melbourne Storm. Melbourne yeah. Storm. They're throwing Lovely. us all this merchandise. All three of us got all this gear. How good. And just for our listeners, Jeff's got a, even got a Storm cap on, so rocking our Storm gear today. How about it? All is provided by them specifically for our show. How great is that? It's excellent. You like like it? Yes. If we wanted a first sponsor, we certainly wouldn't go past the Storm. That's fantastic. We like our our Melbourne, uh, the Melbourne show. They're, They're supporting us. It may just be some of my uh, member merchandise gear from the last few years, but uh, yeah, who knows? But speaking of the storm, we are not sponsored by them, unfortunately. So I'm going to tip the Raiders. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Melbourne Storm, you're right. They deserve to be favourites. And Cooper Cronk playing his 300th game. Yeah. Um, so he's just only one of two Melbourne Storm players who will have reached that milestone, and only the 25th player overall to get to get to that number of games. So it's a pretty big achievement. Um, um, huge thing that it's it's happening obviously in in such a major game as a preliminary final and and in his home city as well and I believe over twenty thousand tickets have yeah, already been sold be, to the game. It's going to be so. absolutely packed, so it will be an electric atmosphere. I'd say. Yeah, also, um, the the only time in NRL history where two players with over three hundred games of experience will be playing with each other, that of course being Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, and and these guys have played all of their careers. In the NRL together, and even the the juniors in in Queensland, so they're they've been there for the last ten fifteen years and are making history this year. Do you know what the uh, game's record holders on? Yeah. It is Darren Lockyer. It's just I think it's about three hundred and fifty four games. So any prospect of the those couple of guys from the Storm getting to that point or uh, Camp Smith? Too far for them. Camp Smith. I'm pretty sure he will do that. He's on about three hundred and thirty thirty five right now. And uh, Corey Parker was also level with Cameron Smith, but he's just retired last week. So, yeah, Cameron Smith's the most likely to do it. Kronk probably won't make it. So that is going to be a cracker of a game with 20,000 tickets already sold and the big 300 milestone. But uh, on to the other game, which I alluded to before, that 
North Queensland would be very tired against the Sharks. So I'm going to go with a tip here that will please our guest from a couple of weeks ago, Jordan. Given they've had some time off, they're rested, and even though they don't have the best preliminary finals record, uh, I would say go with the Cronulla Sharks for a close win against the North Queensland Cowboys. Yep, I am on the same tune. Which uh, Jordan will be absolutely over the moon to hear his Queensland rival concede that the Sharks should win. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Sharks too. I, I couldn't bear the um, the amount that I'd hear about it if I if I didn't and they won. And <laughs> after that rest, as you said, Chris, I think that should stand and them in good Especially the, the fact game. that, as I mentioned, Queensland will be just absolutely exhausted from last week. But uh, Jeff, uh, John will be no doubt happy to hear you say that, Jeff. I'm sure he will. You know, the most recent meeting, the Sharks won 13-10 against the Cowboys. And, but you know, 12 months prior to, to today, we had uh, the, the Cowboys beat the Sharks in round one 39-0 in Townsville. So, you know, it's not exactly a comfortable tip, picking the Sharks. But, well, uh, I, I would won. be correct in what I was saying before that they don't have the best of preliminary finals records. Was it? Well, yeah, they haven't even won a they haven't even won a grand final. So that, you know, yeah, you know, this is where, normally where they get stuck. I think, uh, look, given they've shown they're the better of the two teams when they've previously played North Queensland, and everything that's gone into account last week, if they can shut down some of the key guys like Thurston, I would say why not? They're more than likely to overcome that hurdle and get into the grand final this time, I think. Thurston can't be shut down. They're going to have to win and play better than Thurston. Not not it'd take a full team effort to, to beat Thurston, the Cowboys, but... If we, if if anything we saw last week, it's that no matter what Thurston in the final series is going to be one of, if not the best player on the field. So it's, you're basically counting on on shutting down other players, absolutely, and stopping Thurston yeah. getting the supply that he needs to do yeah. the do the damage. That's yeah. a trick, uh, I guess, which can happen in a lot of other sports where we've seen with Argentina just unbelievably reliant on Lionel Messi. And the trick is, as you say, Jeff, don't focus on Lionel Messi because you waste your time and he'll end up scoring if you do that. Just shut off um, the other guys who can that can stop getting him the cross in to get the ball into a dangerous area and he won't score. Yeah, that's so the way it is. Shut off the supply and the runs or the... Goals or the tries won't happen. Don't get high off your supply either. <laughs> Unless, of course, your supply is Melbourne Storm gear, which we've got plenty of this week. So now on to our main topic, of course, which is the explosion in sports betting in recent years. And I think, um, obviously, having being in an online world these days and having smartphones that are constantly connected to Wi-Fi or mobile data, that plays a big part in comparison with what happened used to happen in the old days when we have used to could only go into the tab 
TAB to actually place your bet. I'm sure <laughs> out of all of us, you Going remember those days most vividly, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for that, Chris. Yeah, I think I can, uh, I Talking think I can about... just about remember the days when you actually got up to change the channel on the television too. <laughs> that, is, that is if your memory is good enough and you don't get your 90s confused with your 2000s again. How good was sliced bread, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we still got that? <laughs> Uh, as long as we're not talking about black and white. Now, do you have any any betting sponsors that you need to declare or anything here, Chris? Before yeah, come <laughs> before on, Chris. we get into this, <laughs> out with them. <laughs> not yet. Hopefully, at some point soon. There's been some controversy, I guess, concerned parents uh, about the way that the advertising's done because legislation's changed in 2007 that. We can now have advertising for betting on in an increased way during the actual broadcast. And like classic memories of childhood is you sit down with your mum and your dad and your siblings or whoever else and you watch the game. Now, if you're an eight-year-old, nine-year-old constantly being bombarded with betting, I guess it depends on how... You're taught about it, but it, it, in a way it does kind of normalize it at a very young age, which I think you said, uh, although it's concerning for us, New Zealand has taken it further and they've actually banned that advertising, Andrew. Yeah, well, I can't speak about exactly what the current legislation is there now because it's been a while ago now, but when St Kilda actually played Sydney over there in the first AFL game for points there, uh I was over there with the St Kilda cheer squad and we were all made to make sure that we had to cover up our centre bet logos, um, which we had on our jumpers and other gear uh, because it's it was against their law to have that out on the field, Any anything associated with advertising gambling. So they're obviously a little bit more conscious or maybe willing to concede the argument that Betting perhaps does have something of a negative impact on young children. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely where that's coming from. That it's it's normal, you know, by having those things constantly in view, it's really normalising gambling as as a part of the game itself, something that's integral to it, and that that's you would think probably not the healthiest message to be sending out to kids when you've got kids who who are quoting odds. And I think that's a good, strong divide, the fact that New Zealand's gone and done that because, you know, with that allowed in Australia, I think it's very clear that betting is part of the Australian culture as is, you know, say, drinking. And because New Zealand have put these limitations on gambling ads and things like that, it hasn't seeped into their culture to gamble as a New Zealander. So, um, yeah, I would fully support some sort of similar change like that to happen in Australia. Speaking of what you're just saying there, Jeff, it's... It's kind of a fabric, part of the fabric of Australian culture. I noticed that, you know, obviously I do watch a lot of sport and I do see the ads. They're actually seem to be targeting kind of our age group, like I'd say 18 to 24 slash 18 to 30 age group of young, probably male Man, like, for instance, there's the ad where the guy's in some kind of big supermarket and there's he's got 
the aisle saying beef, tomato sauce, and they add something like get everything done in one place with the app or whatever. It seems to be male and a young age group that they're targeting most of these ads at. Yeah, they definitely seem to show men almost all the time, young guys, usually making them look really stupid, actually, I find, which is which is interesting. If you, if you were trying yeah. to promote a product for women and you were um you were making them look a bit look a bit daft then you'd, you'd probably, probably be in a be bit of trouble very well <laughs> yeah well you're not when you're making bets you're not at work you're not in a formal setting you're in a casual relaxed banter joking around uh, setting and if you're seeing that on 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 the ads it's you know it's Reinforcing you're supposed that, to identify yeah. with it yeah um, you know of course they're, they're advertising to the 18 to 30 year olds you know 18 is you know the the youngest age you can bet at, so they're they're targeting the young, the dumb, the stupid who can pick this up as part of their own, <laughs> as part of their own, make it a part of their own tradition to or routine. Maybe that's to bet. why they've got dumb dumb characters in the ads. An interesting aspect, though, I think, is also the the other form of advertising that they have, as opposed to the these ones where there's a, a standalone ad in the ad breaks. We have this thing where, which I thought that was going to be stamped out to be honest but still seems to exist where you've actually really got the people who are say the commentators on the show and they're speaking to someone directly from a betting agency uh, and the person from the betting agency then is giving the odds so it, it's really incorporated into the whole coverage of the game yeah that does confuse me a bit as well because i was like you andrew i did hear that they were trying to get rid of that because <laughs> there was tom waterhouse actually one of the more well-known betting agencies, Tom Waterhouse himself, was on the AFL broadcast as part of the Channel 7 commentary team, not just as a five-second thing to say, here are the latest odds, actually as part of the commentary team. And that was absolutely outrageous to a lot of people that Waterhouse would actually be on the commentary team. Oh, yeah, and he had the most painful saturation advertising as well to accompany that, didn't he? <laughs> Still feeling it to this day, but that's that's exactly what it was. They did they haven't been able to fully remove that, you know, with laws, and of course things take time. But they they did make the change that uh, it was no longer allowed to have a betting figure in as part of a commentary team. That's why they've separated, it. like I know, on uh, match days and and other sports midweek programs. You know, they have dedicated segments, or they introduce them and they have to go. So that's better in a way, but really the, the influence they have is still hardly changed. Yeah, so they just can't actually physically be sitting there with the, the commentators. For instance, the commentators have to cross to them effectively. And, Basically. Yeah, or insert a segment. I think that's better than nothing, but it probably would be better to have nothing, to not have that on on your actual broadcast because it does detract from it a bit. But I, I'm okay with the ads, but I just think, you know, having this... In in game commentary of the live odds is a bit concerning because that more than anything else just normalizes it like oh this is a part of how sport happens and like betting's good for as Jeff said a bit of casual fun and banter between friends but when you're kind of making it so integral to sport that you can't have sport without it and you know. It's the be-all and end-all of sport almost because it's so normalised. I think you're getting into a bit of a problematic territory there because sport's about fun. Sport's about getting getting exercise and 
enjoying the the competitiveness. It's not necessarily about betting. It's just astounding to me how many things you can actually bet on now as well. It's not even just well uh, for a start. There's so last many sports year during the election. You could bet on the color of uh, ties. By, oh, the Laurie Oaks War. Yeah. I heard that Laurie had a bit of fun with him, actually, because he kept changing his <laughs> tie throughout the sessions. And just, the colours kept on. Just to troll sports vet. Serves them right, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. They had to pay everyone back who put bets on that. If you're putting bets on that, I mean, come on. But, it, yeah, you, Chris, you were saying just before, it was straight to, to what my point is on this. You know, If people get to the stage where their enjoyment watching sport comes predominantly from the money... They're gambling on the results. That's where you know the problem starts. Yeah, and you have to wonder how long the enjoyment's going to last then when <laughs> surely sooner or later, unless you're a very, very skilled better, which, well, very skilled at betting, and there aren't very many professional gamblers who make a success of it, I don't think. Um, you know, sooner or later, it's going to come back and bite you, I guess, and you're likely to end up in a lot of trouble financially. Yeah, it's clear cut. You you don't come out on top when you when you bet. When you're betting, you have to know that um, you're basically it's it's basically a form of entertainment. Yeah, it's, when you're betting for more than fun, you can get yourself into a problematic area. Well, yeah, if chasing bets is if you're chasing bets, you're deep into a problem. But uh, yeah, if you're starting out and you and you're betting on if you if you if you don't bet. And you don't enjoy sports if there isn't, if you haven't placed money on it, that's that's when you know you need to stop. Yeah, and I guess the other thing is we we might only see the full extent of the the harm that may have been done uh, to kids who are exposed to such constant gambling promotion down the track. Because I mean, I guess it's been in relatively recent years that the promotion's got to the stage that it has now. So some of those people who were quite young kids exposed to that a few years ago that they'll soon be getting to the point i guess where they you know they might get to an age where they can bet and then yeah it's interesting because we've seen to get a little bit off track here um kind of the reverse way around jeff you and i have grown up knowing this is not the 1970s or 60s, we know smoking is harmful to health. So we don't, we, we, like we have that intrinsic, we just know smoking is not necessarily a healthy thing. Whereas, flip it around the other way, all you know about sports and betting is that they're something that goes together. So, they're going to grow up knowing sports equals betting, betting equals sports, and they're not going to know the other way around. Like, we haven't grown up knowing the attitude, smoking is cool, smoking is fun, because we've always grown up knowing the information and the stats that it's a health hazard. They're not going to remember a world where sports and betting weren't synonymous, so I wonder what effect that's going to have. I notice you don't include me in that smoking thing. You think I'm so well, old? I'm yeah. not gonna make I any... thought smoking was was good for um, asthma sufferers or something when I was growing up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> smoking is healthy. The cure all. Well, speaking of <laughs> speaking of your age, Andrew, can you uh, is it okay? Can you tell us a bit of what you remember about the old days? You just had to go into the TAB and there was no way of placing a bet online or <laughs> the going old into days. Mobile? 
Did you send a when, telegram when, to Vogue? <laughs> <laughs> when, when you, I was about to ask when are you going to use that Melbourne Storm <laughs> wrestling tag yeah. technique on him, but I might have to use them on both of you, so <laughs> <laughs> the way it's going. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess uh, it was a twofold situation in as much as First of all, there wasn't betting on anywhere near as many things as there is now. You it couldn't do something you silly like bet on Laureux's tyres or anything No, like I mean, that. you were essentially betting on different forms of racing, whether it be horses, greyhounds, general sports betting wasn't actually um, official at all in those days if it took place. So um, you couldn't bet, place much of a bet on AFL or anything like that, could you? Or? Well, you couldn't bet on it at all for, through the official channels at yep. one stage, you know, in the TAB, yep. was really just races. And, and as you said, yeah, you had to physically go into the TAB. Uh, I mean, no one had a mobile for a start. So. <laughs> <laughs> if there, there were, they were those stuff. big brick ones. Yeah, which I don't think anyone was really using those for, for betting purposes. <laughs> and if you talk about the young kids and, and what sort of view they get on betting, Growing up, it, it was it was fun to bet with your mates, but you wouldn't think of it. Was, it was just for a laugh. Oh, I don't really have an example, but you would you would make a bet that one of your friends might do something just out of habit, just because you know them so well, and they might do that, and you just have a laugh, and your friends know that you know a lot about them. It's not like oh well, I won. Well, I need I need money to recognise this or, win. Yeah. I'm offering dollar yeah. eighty on Andrew to say something at the end of the show, whatever. You don't. That's not a normal conversation. You don't offer odds for something fun like that. Goodness knows what I might say at the end of the show and the way it's been going so far. <laughs> so, like, as you're saying, this may change, you know, the way people have their silly fun bets. It might become a serious thing. People might start wanting money in the schoolyard because they want to bet on maths tests or something like that. Sure enough, you bet your lunch money and then you don't have lunch for a day and then you get... Then you do something, you do an action that you regret doing and, and you get home, oh, why didn't you eat? Oh, I gambled my money. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> how come they did that? Well, I mean, I still don't really understand odds as such. I mean, I can get, you know, the, the something to one, but once it gets beyond that, I have no idea. Like how line betting and things work. like that. Yeah, all those things like line betting and, and something else to something else, however they express it. You know, I, I just don't get anything beyond, you know, 10 to 1 or those sort of basic yeah. odds. Um, whereas how I'm sure nowadays there's a lot of kids out there who could tell you how yeah. a lot of those other things work. If you go to a 9 or 10-year-old, I reckon they'd be able to probably explain line betting to you. And that's that might be a bit of a concerning thought, actually. Yeah, I think it is, really. Well, I think that's just about it, unfortunately, for us on... Spotlight on Sports. We hope you enjoyed our expose on the world, deep, murky world of gambling. And uh, I'm sure we will be back with you as always with an interesting topic next week. I'm Chris Hins, and I've been with Jeff Dickinson Fox and Andrew Pollocksy. <laughs>